Well, good morning. Welcome. So glad to see you here today. We are in part two of a series called Somehow I Manage. And before we jump into that, I just want to point your attention to our connection cards, really valuable communication tool. If you'll fill that out at the end of the service, you can drop it in the offering baskets. If you're a guest with us, especially a first-time guest, we'd love to meet with you and have a short conversation, have some things to give you in the back table if you'll take your card there or drop it in your basket, your choice. So look, we're jumping into this series again, and we're talking about how to manage our lives in such a way that it, that it pleases God, that we'd be good managers of all that he's given us, everything in our lives, not just, not just our stuff, not just our finances, but every piece of our lives is ultimately something given to us by God. Our, our time and our talents and gifts and ability, uh, our very lives are a gift from him. And so we are to be managing those things in such a way that it pleases God. Specifically in this series, we are looking at how to manage the monetary resources that God has given us. And I know at church that's a, that's a can be a very uncomfortable uh, topic to talk about. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you repeat after me. Okay? Repeat after me. I'm ready. I can take it. Okay. So don't come crying to me. When you start wiggling in your seat a little bit, you ask for this, all right? I'm ready. I can take it. Okay. <laughs> you know, the very first people that God put on the planet, he put them in a beautiful garden, and they had all their needs provided for. Everything they wanted and needed was there. In fact, they had more than they wanted or needed. It was right there, and he took care of them. And he asked them to manage and take care of the things that he had given to them. And yet the deceiver came, Satan, and said, there's this one thing that God said you can't have. But that's the very thing you need. You needed to be happy, and you needed to be content, and you needed to have satisfaction. You need this one thing that God said no to. And he said all kinds of things like, did God really say this? Did God really say that? It's the very same lie that you and I get bombarded with every single day as well. That somehow, even though we are people that have things and, and have stuff, and in fact, we have as much or more than we need, that there's these lies that get floating around all the time that says you need something else. You need more than what you have. In fact, if you could just have that one thing, then you would be happy. You would find satisfaction. You would be content. We're going to learn today. We, we have bought into the thinking, I know I do all the time, that more is better but we're going to learn today that there are instances when more is not better. More is not better. Made me think about a, a time when I was a high schooler, and uh, I had this arrangement with a neighbor, and he owned some snow cone stands. Remember when snow cone stands were a thing? Not the cheap, chunky ice, the real soft snow cones. Awesome. Anyway, uh, I was, uh, he had a bunch of snow cone stands. I managed one of his snow cone stands. And the most boring thing you can do is sit for 10 hours in a shed by yourself. And uh, I'm a people person. That was driving me nuts. So I conned my middle school brother into going with me. His name's Ryan. And said, Ryan, come, come join me. He came. And he, there had to be, I don't know how many, 100 flavors. He, in the course of the day, ate every single flavor snow cone 
in that shack. I thought, cool. And we go home. I don't think anything about it. In the middle of the night, he explodes. <laughs> you know the term um, technicolor yawn? A rainbow of colors comes out of my brother all over the floor. They had to, listen, my parents had to replace the carpet in that room. It was so bad. And somehow, inexplicably, this is my fault. <laughs> I got blamed for that. Anyway, sometimes more isn't better. This is an age-old wisdom of God. In fact, we're going to look back to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. We're going to try to beat this into our brains today. It was said by the wisest person who ever lived. The Bible calls Solomon, King Solomon, the wisest person who's ever lived, inspired by God, and he wrote these words to us. They're so timely today. This is what it says. Better. Let's look at what's better. Better one handful with tranquility then two handfuls would toil and chasing after the wind. He said, listen, if you want what's better in life, then you shouldn't be both hands after trying to get more and more stuff. If your whole life is about both hands, all your attention, everything you're doing is about getting more and more money to have more and more stuff. He says, I've got something better than that. That life is not about having two handfuls of everything you can grab in this world. So, no, I got something better than that. In fact, here's how I would say it it's better to have less of what you don't, what doesn't matter, and more of what does matter. It's better to have less of what doesn't ultimately matter so you can have more of what does matter. Well, what does matter? Instead of stuff, God has something better for us, and it's satisfaction. That God wants us to live a life of, that is satisfying and satisfaction, and it's not found in diving in, and all of our attention, and all of our time, and all of everything we do is about getting more stuff. And you go, well, you know, that sounds great, but I'd like a shot at that. I'd like a shot at the two handfuls lifestyle. I'd like a shot. Let me decide for myself. Let me get two good handfuls of what this world has offered. Then I'll decide if that's really true or not. Guys, can I tell you something? You might do that. You and I might live our lives to pursue the things of this world that we can have as much as we possibly can. But my question is, at what cost? There's a cost associated. There's something better than this. There's a cost. If you're going to go for this, then you're going to give up something else. And the cost associated with two handfuls of chasing after the wind and striving for things is, is internal conflict and stress and relational problems and, and bringing things upon yourself and chasing after something you wish you had. If you ask anybody, I don't care if they're rich or poor, how much money do you need? They will always say, just a little bit what? More. If I could just make a little bit more, if we could just make a little bit more. Solomon knew. 
He's speaking from experience. When he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he's an old man, and he's looking back on his life. And as king, he was rich. He had all kinds of wealth. And he's looking back at his life, and he's saying, listen, I'm just telling you, when I had two handfuls, and it was overflowing, I couldn't even grab all the wealth that God gave me. When I had two handfuls, that wasn't as good as when I just had one. When I was chasing after something other than just this, and I had a hand in both, man, that was really living. And it really is. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter so I could have more of what does matter. Solomon is speaking from experience to you and I. You know what? I mean this with all my heart. Your life is too valuable. Your calling by God is too great. Your God is too good for you and I to waste our lives on the things that ultimately don't matter. Now, if you're like me, you think, well, how about two hands here? Two hands here. Can I get two hands in here and two... But you see, i, I got to choose. Every second I'm choosing which one I'm going to choose. And the reality is that this goes back to week one last week. We talk about the choices. Ultimately, we can't have both hands in both all the time. They compete with each other. You just can't be both uh, full on in both of those. You just can't. And I thought of all kinds of examples. Some of the ones that popped into my head were um, if you consistently choose to work late or, or, or choose to try to get ahead and so you're, you're choosing between being on the job or being at your kid's performance or ball game, you're just saying, I, I can't pursue both with all my heart. If you're trying to please your boss and trying to please your spouse, you're trying to please uh, your manager and you're trying to please your, your wife, man, those are decisions they rub at each other. If you're busy trying to build your bank account and have as much in there as you possibly can, then you will not be giving yourself to building the kingdom of God like God intended. You can't do both. So this message was relevant to Solomon's day. It's relevant to us. It was relevant in Jesus' day. He talked about money all the time. But one of those instances is when two brothers approached him. Uh, apparently their father had recently died. And uh, I know this is going to be shocking to you, but they actually got into an argument about the inheritance. I mean, that never happens, right? And they're fighting over dad's stuff. They're fighting over dad's money. And they come to Jesus, and they thought, well, maybe he could settle this for them. And he's like, guys, I'm not, I'm not getting in on that. Right, this is between, you guys work that out. But then he said this. Look what he says. He says, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Listen to this. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. It's a warning from Jesus that life is more about the stuff that we have. Listen, you are not defined by what you own. You are not where you live. You are not what you drive. You are not what you wear, what purse is by your side, what shoes you wear. You are not defined by anything you own. Life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. In fact, Jesus even seems to be saying, look out, watch, warning, that if you pursue those things that can actually get in the way of what you really want in life and what we really want in life is something better like satisfaction. What if the stuff that you and I own 
And what if the pursuit of the stuff that we want to own is robbing us of the life we really want to live? What if? What if that type of toil and chasing after the wind is robbing you of contentment and peace and joy that you really, really want? You ever thought of it that way? You know, you ask people how you're doing, and if they're honest with you, I mean, nine out of ten people, I say, how are you really doing? They'll say, man, I'm tired. Anybody feel tired? <laughs> we got some early service. I was like, slam dunk. Yeah, tired. <laughs> tired. And if you ask people, why are you tired? Most of the time they say, man, I've been working so much. I work a lot. And when you say, well, why do you work a lot? It's not because they say, man, I just love my job. I know a few people. Most people say, it's because I love my job so much. And I have never heard someone answer that question. Man, I just enjoy being out of my house and not around my family and the people I love. And I've never heard someone say, because I just enjoy making my boss richer and richer and richer. But what I will hear people say is, man, I'm working so much because I got this mortgage to pay and this car loan and I got vacation coming up and Christmas is on the way and there's a boat that I really love to have and, and my kids are asking for earbuds. <laughs> Did I get that right? Something like that. <laughs> Swinging a miss. <laughs> Jesus said, watch out. In fact, you're damaging your soul if you're chasing something out there that you think will make you happy. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter so you can have more of what does matter. Can I tell you something? God has something more for us than this. He has this. He has more than a life of this. He wants for you and I a life of satisfaction. That's what he wants. I can tell you 100%. And, and life of satisfaction doesn't mean that every single thing bounces your way and that life never has problems and life never has issues, but that in the midst of whatever's going on, there is a deep-seated satisfaction of your soul. I can promise you God wants that for you and for me. But we miss out on that when we're both hands striving for this. Do you see it? We can't have both. Now, this guy's come to him. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to get involved. Watch out for greed. Your life doesn't consist of the abundance of your possessions. And then he goes on to tell them a story. It's called a parable in the Scriptures. And, and a parable is a made-up story by Jesus, but he's making up the story. It's like a sermon illustration to make a very specific point. And so Jesus, right out on the heels of this conversation with these guys, jumps into a parable. And this is the story. He says, there was once a guy who became increasingly rich, and he, and he was, uh, had all these people working for him, and there's so much crop coming in to the harvest. He said, man, my barns won't hold all this crop. I'm going to have to rip those suckers down, build new, bigger barns, throw all this stuff in there, and then I'm going to be so rich, I can just kick back and relax, and I'll have everything I need for the rest of my life. I'm going to eat, drink and be merry and God said 
No, tonight your life will end. And you won't get to enjoy all the things you toiled after your whole life. And it's going to end up, the wealth that you work for is going to end up in someone else's account. And the stuff that you own is going to end up in someone else's basement. And it's going to be gone. Gone. Let me ask you, was God punishing this guy because he was successful in what he did? No. No, not at all. Was God against people having wealth and riches then or now? No. No. What is offensive to God in this parable, listen to this, what was offensive to God is that this man assumed that all the blessings and riches and reward that was coming to him was all meant for him and his enjoyment and his pleasure. That is what is offensive to God that the blessings he received were just for himself. Two handfuls means I can have a bunch of stuff. When God gives me two handfuls, it means I can have a bunch of ease. Two handfuls will buy me lots of convenience and comfort. And God says, no, that's not why I gave it to you. And the punchline later in uh Luke chapter 12, this is the end of the parable. He says this. This is how it will be with whoever, that's you and I. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves. That's fine. You can have stuff. Whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Listen, I didn't give you all that so you could just keep it for yourselves. I gave it so you could be a blessing to others. That's what was offensive to God. And that was the point of Jesus' story, that if we should have uh, two handfuls of stuff keeps us from the satisfaction and joy of being rich towards God. When we get both hands out of this box and we have another hand in satisfaction, we have the joy of being rich towards God. Guys, let me tell you something. That is priceless. You can't put a price tag on that. I don't think God's going to be really impressed with whatever we've bought with down here. But he will be very impressed with whatever we send up ahead before we get there. That's what's going to be impressive to him. It's an eternal perspective, I know. We talked about that last week, the different perspectives. You can be in the moment. Uh, You can be thinking about your future here on earth. Or you can have an eternal perspective. When it comes to your money, this is that eternal perspective when it comes to our money, what God's entrusted to us. And I know uh, when you you see that shiny thing in the store and you want it, and I I got a kick out of it. A couple people texted me this week because I talked about that last week, and they said, man, we're in the store, and we're talking about this shiny thing, and and we're not going to buy it because what you talked about Sunday, darn you, Rod. And Gabe and I were doing a little shopping this week together, and I I was like, I mean, it's shiny. But it's just blowing the money. That eternal perspective, think about this. I don't care what kind of investment you make with your money on this world. When you and I decide to be rich towards God, there is a, it is a payoff that doesn't just last a day 
or a year or a hundred years or a thousand years or a million or a billion years. We're talking about eternity. I know it's hard to wrap our head around, but literally the dollar that we give to the kingdom of God goes on for forever. It's an incredible investment that we can have. So let's talk, the little bit of time we have left, let's talk about what does it mean, what does it look like for you and I to live, not chasing after this with both hands, but what does it look like to be rich towards God? Just two things. First of all, it means we are committed to growing in our giving. Committed to grow in giving. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, this is the law of sowing and reaping we talked about last week, that what you put in the ground comes out later, and it comes out greater. This little bitty seed becomes a stalk with all kinds of fruit on it or all kinds of vegetables or whatever. It's later and it's greater. It's the law of sowing and reaping. And when we're giving to the kingdom of God, we're investing a seed in the ground of eternity that sprouts up later and greater. When we give to the kingdom of God, we don't always see the results right away. And we wonder, God, what are you doing with what we've given you? But I can tell you something. It's always later. It's always greater when we do. And so you can see there in the passage we just read, you can you can. So sparingly, you can give a little bit. It, God doesn't say, look, if you're going to give a little bit, just keep it yourself. I don't want your little, your little offering. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, if you want to sow a little, then guess what? You get to reap some. You'll get to reap some of the reward. If you and I start giving something to the, to the kingdom of God, we will have some satisfaction in doing that. You don't want to miss out on that blessing. But he also says, listen, the reason God wants us to grow in our giving is he wants lots of satisfaction in our life. And so if we give generously, we'll reap generously eternally, but also in our spirits, you and I will have much satisfaction. You hear me? And so God wants us to grow because he wants us to have more of this, more satisfaction, more contentment, more joy, when we give. Now, some of you might be thinking, man, I wish I wish I'd have started giving before now. Wish I'd have done this before now. I would say just start today. Start now. You say, man, I wish I could give a lot. Man, I wish I won the lottery. I can't tell you many people over the years have said, I wish I won the lottery. I'd give you, I'd give you a million dollars, Pastor. <laughs> I wish I could give a lot. God says, just give something. If you're not giving, give something. And if you're giving something, give more than something. Just start where you are and grow in giving. You say, man, I'm just kind of in a rut when it comes to giving. I've given the same amount or I've given the same percentage for a long time, and I'm just sort of, I'm not really growing in that area. I'm just maintaining in that area. Can I, can I challenge you, if that's you, to, to give sacrificially? Why? So you can have great satisfaction in this area in your life. A uh, bunch of examples. Our church isn't 13 years old yet, but over the years there's been a ton of examples of people who have learned this and had a lot of joy in it. Uh, one of our former elders, uh, we were raising money to buy land. We thought we were going to build there. We used the money from the land to buy this. and So anyway, it was all part of God's plan. But he said, man, when we were going to buy land, he, he had a gun. 
And he said, God told me to sell this gun and take the proceeds and give it to the building fund. That's sacrificial giving. We've had people over the years have said, man, I, I can't give like I want to give, but i got a tax return coming up, so part or all of my tax return. We're going to give that. I mean, there's some plenty of shiny things that we could get. We had plans for some shiny things with the tax return, but we're going to take part or all that, and we're going to give it to the kingdom of God and the satisfaction that comes from that. And we've had families talk about our Pathways program and explain it to their kids that as we give to the Pathways, we get new lights and cafe gets renovated and kids' wing gets renovated and, you know, different things happen in our building because of Pathways. And as they explain it to the kids, and the kids have said, well, I want to give to that. Guys, is there anything more satisfying than see your kids want to give to the kingdom of God and his work on this earth? You can't buy that can't buy that one other story um friend of a friend i heard this story and it was about a a guy who was a business owner that him and his wife had done well in their business and somehow some way a friend of theirs uh they thought it was a friend embezzled about fifty thousand dollars from him that's a chunk of money Fifty thousand dollars ran off with the money. It was gone. Some years later, the daughter of the man who ran off with their money was in financial need in crisis. And this couple prayed and were led to help that girl, that young lady in her moment of need, and help them financially. Say, so how can the world could somebody do that? Can I tell you something? It's because they're not living for stuff. They're living for something greater than that, so much more. Satisfaction. Satisfaction. Guys, my prayer is for my life and my family and for this church family, for you individually, is we would be people who grow in giving, that we might have more and more satisfaction in this area of our lives. Number two. Learn to enjoy giving. You want to be rich towards God? Learn to enjoy giving. The very next verse there in 2 Corinthians 9, it says this. So he just said, sow sparingly, reap sparingly, sow generously, reap generously. And then he says, each of you, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You shouldn't feel berated into it. You shouldn't feel conned into it. You shouldn't feel guilted into it. You shouldn't be pressured into it. That as you get alone with God and you hear His voice or He speaks to you and His Word comes alive and you think about the blessings and you think about the abundance, that you feel compelled, that God Himself compels you and you give it cheerfully to Him. Now listen to this. Um, the commitment and discipline, the action of giving always precedes the blessing of giving. What do I mean by that? I think oftentimes we think, well, man, when I feel it, when I feel joyful, then I'll give. That's kind of like saying, when I feel like going to the gym, then I'll go. If you and I wait for the feeling first, it's not going to happen. 
the joy and the satisfaction that comes comes after the act of giving. Our, our emotions were never wired to lead us. They were always meant to follow us. It's no more true in this area either. That you and I, when it says give, cheerful giver, it happens after you give. So as we grow in giving, we can grow in the joy of giving. I love that one of our elders says, I've used it before, he says, my favorite check that I write every month is the check I write to our church. I love that. That's what joyful giving looks like. That's joy. You know what? When we give generously, that's because that's what in love people do. When you're in love, you give snuggles. <laughs> when you're in love, you give notes. When you're in love, remember we used to give random gifts? Nobody? <laughs> it's been a while. When you're in love, you give compliments. When you're in love, you give a time and attention. When you're in love, in love, people love to give. Because that's what in love people do. They give. And they know, listen to this, when you and I get this right and we get the joy part right, we know that the satisfaction and joy in giving is found in the actual act of giving itself. Not in the rewards not in the blessings, though they may come. It's actually in the act itself, and you find satisfaction in it alone. Every parent that's given a Christmas gift knows exactly what I mean. It's the act itself of giving. So let me ask us some very pointed questions. Are you and I accumulating on earth what we cannot keep? Can't keep it. It's going away. When my wife wants to buy something that I don't want her to buy, I remind her the end of this story in Revelation 21 is it all burns. <laughs> it's going to be burnt with fire. And then when she says something about something I love, a tear, it's going to burn. Are we living to accumulate that what we cannot keep, or are we investing in heaven what we can never lose? Let me ask it a different way. <clears throat> this gets right to the point. When you and I are lying in a hospital bed one day, near the end, which of these do you want more of? It's not going to be stuff. It's not even going to matter. You want to give it a second thought. This is what's going to matter. You know what's cool about this? When you and I get rich towards God, and we, we look, we got to get one handful because there's bills to pay and a mortgage and there's doctor bills. we got to have a handful. There's, there's needs we have in our life to be able to provide for ourselves and our family. Listen, we got to get a handful, and I get it. we got to work. Yes, God says, go, get that one handful. But when you and I stop doing the two hands and we just go after the one hand, guess what? That means you have a, a free hand. You know, this free hand... You can do all kinds of cool stuff. You got time for hugs. You got time to lift people up. You got time to praise your God. You got time to be a blessing. And the things that are in this end, you can pass on to others and be a blessing to others and invest in eternity with that free hand. 
before we end, I want us to go back to Ecclesiastes 4, 6. First service was not so good at this. We're going to read this together. All right, I want you to say this with me. You ready? Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. That's it. That's it. It's better to have less of what doesn't matter so that you can have more of what does matter. I want to challenge you, church. I'm being challenged that we would be people that, that love to grow in giving and we love to give to God because we are grateful, thankful people. Last thing I want to say is this. I've been talking about satisfaction a lot. This is something you and I could never buy. They're in a store that sells it. And the fact is, there's, there's probably someone in this room that has been searching for satisfaction in life their entire life. And you've never felt settled, and you've never felt truly satisfied. You realize there's things that, that try to promise you satisfaction. It's stuff or relationships, and none of them seem to measure up. And you're longing to have a satisfaction in your soul that doesn't go away and that never dies. And the only place this is found is in God himself. That there's a heavenly father that loves you and wants a relationship with you. And it's in that relationship that you and I will finally find the satisfaction that we've longed for our entire lives. That he accepts you completely knowing everything about you. That he loves you unconditionally no matter how much you've screwed it up. And that he's always with you and will never forsake you. That's the relationship your heavenly father wants for you. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I thank you. First of all, I thank you that all the things of this world don't satisfy. Because if they did, we would be hard-pressed turning to you. So I thank you that stuff doesn't satisfy and earthly relationships don't satisfy and the things we think that will satisfy don't. Because at the end of that, the end of all that journey, there is you. And all the love and acceptance we long for is in you. And the forgiveness that our dirty souls need is found in you. And the life that we wish we could have full of satisfaction and contentment is in you. And so if you're sitting here this morning saying, man, I need what God has. I need a relationship with him. Man, he's been wanting that longer than you have. He created you for that. He wants you to find satisfaction in Him. There's this thing called sin, the dirtiness of our soul, the, the, the choices we've made to do our own thing and go our own way and not listen to God separates us from Him. But God in His wisdom sent His Son Jesus. He stepped out of heaven and He came to this earth. He led a perfect sinless life so that He could be the perfect sacrifice on a cross and take the payment for your sin and for my sin. And He bore them completely. He paid the penalty. The debt has been paid. And then He rose again to give us life. He did all that for you so that you could come to Him. You could let him into your life. You could have the life he wants you to have, full of satisfaction, free from sin, free from condemnation. Is God speaking to you today?
You say, I need that. I want that. I'm going to ask you to just slip your hand up right now and say, I'm inviting God into my life. I want him to take over. I want to find my satisfaction solely in God. I see you. Praise you. Praise God. Anybody else? I see you. Praise God. Let's go to God in prayer. Just tell him, God, I, I need you. I'm going to ask that you'll forgive me of my sins through your son, Jesus. I believe he was God in the flesh. And I believe he paid for my sin. And I'm putting my hope and my trust in him alone. I want to follow you, Jesus, and live a life pleasing to you, God, full of satisfaction. God, I pray for your church today that every single one of us could get to heaven one day and we'd be rich towards you because we've been generous, because we've been giving. God, I pray for each person in this room, God, if they're willing to just say, I want to be, I want to grow in my giving towards you, God. And Lord, maybe there's some that just say, I've lost the joy. I've never experienced the joy of giving. God, I pray that they will find it anew. Lord, we're so thankful for all you've given to us. We're thankful for your grace and mercy. Thanks for treating us better than our sins deserve. God, thanks for giving us a bunch of chances. And I just pray, God, that this would be a turning point for us to be rich towards you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.